0: and welcome to another episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest with us. We have the incredible, brilliant, beautiful... I'm going to say brilliant again because she really is Cadenard Raymond, a dear friend of mine, someone I have learned so much from who has influenced my pop culture taste. But before we get to Cadenard, Becky's out today. She's, she's having a little vacation. She's in the mountains or something, hiking again. Uh, Lily, how are you doing today?
1: I'm okay. Yeah. I'm hanging in there. I talked um, to
0: dad this morning and I, I, I heard a buzz saw in the background. And I, he said, Oh, don't worry. Someone's just cutting aluminum.
1: Yes. <laughs> I figured it's not enough to live with many members of my family during a pandemic, but we should do construction
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: have it take as long as possible. Um, and make as much of a mess as possible. So um, it was very loud. But we're, all, we're almost done. Every day I say we're almost done. Um, and uh, hanging in there. Yeah,
0: just hanging well, in there. But we're good. Well, uh, I want to welcome our amazing guest, Kate Inard. And uh, it, something you don't know about Kate Inard, Lily, but I, I, I wore a clue in today's episode because I'm wearing my Montreal Expos hat. Aside from her many talents and achievements, she did live once in Montreal. So... Oh, my
1: God. Yeah. Like Kamala Harris, which I oh, thought was a joke, <laughs> by the way. I was like, that girl didn't go to West Mountain High in Montreal. And then, like, moved on from the article. And then yesterday, Mom and Dad are like, no, but she did. It's wow. so um, She it's was sweet. in Montreal. So, like, Montreal is getting popular by the day.
2: I mm. mean... <laughs> And you know, you mentioned Kamala and I'm like the plurality of her American story, it's better than Barack Obama. There's so many <laughs> numbers that just keep on coming out.
1: It's like so you're North American if we get to put a little Quebec in there.
2: I know. There's there's so much to her story. I think it's I think it's great. It's great when did you me. live there? I lived that was my first um it was my first diplomatic assignment. I was there from twenty eleven wow. to twenty thirteen as a consular officer.
1: Okay, that it, seems like a lot of
2: fun. It was the biggest surprise, maybe in my life, because I'd never been to Montreal before being assigned there. And I get there and I'm like, what is this amazing winter oasis that Americans don't really talk about? I feel like if you're if you're not in New England. People aren't really talking about going to Montreal. Um, Not any young people that I knew, like everyone wants to go to Miami or Vegas, but it's so much fun, such a party culture. Um, I got to meet Idris Elba, which is like the highlight of my life.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) Lily once met Gene Hackman. He was staying at a house in our neighborhood and and she drove up to his house and knocked on his door to talk to him.
1: And I met Tay Diggs in Montreal as well Who was
2: the, the gentleman that played doogie hauser i met him Neil patrick ha- harris yes, Neil patrick harris um i know he's he's done a lot since doogie hauser but that's how i remember him. <laughs> he'll um, always
0: be doogie to a certain
2: degree yes. so just lots of great memories from montreal all the festivals jazz oh. i feel like i was introduced to jazz up there um an it's, amazing food scene it's just wonderful it's a
1: it's a it's a great place that's so fun yeah. That we have that
0: in common, and now Cadenard, um, your family mm-hmm. is is Haitian right uh, originally haitian Haitian American, mm-hmm. and you went you were living in Montreal, that is one of the probably one of the bigger is it one of the bigger Haitian populations in North America?
2: Yes, yes, it is um, which was which was interesting because as a consular officer, when I was bidding, I was actually very adamant that I didn't want to go to Haiti as a consular officer. I was like, it'll be a conflict of interest, it'll be stressful. I prefer not to. And so they assigned me to Montreal. Which Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so I was still dealing That's with Haitians. But obviously the circumstances were different. Um, right. the context in, in which they lived and seek and sought visas, it was it was a lot less pressure. So it was good. Um, the Haitian community is thriving in Montreal. But a lot of them, they just work and study there, and the communities are further out in, like, Laval, Longue, like... Oh, wow. Yeah, in downtown Montreal. So um, I interacted with a few, and one of them is one of my very good friends to this day. But um, a a great experience. That's
0: right. that's very cool. Montreal is 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 beautiful in that way in which I we we had this strange bubble growing up there where we're exposed to all this stuff and in in North America that when we feel like we had this like alternative universe childhood, so like everything from the we were talking about this on on the show we taped last week like there's TV shows and there's foods and there's sayings and things where if we talk about them with Americans who lived a few miles away you know across the border they're like what are you talking about
2: all right. Yeah. What is BTV? The ability of, for communities to thrive and protect their traditions and customs is something that I envy. So, in, in Montreal, for example, I remember, and I forget the name of the neighborhood, but it was a very distinctly Pakistani Canadian neighborhood, like near this market. And then there's the distinct greek neighborhood the distinct you know like orthodox jewish neighborhood
1: Utreme.
2: Utreme. yeah where you go and get the bagels and there are yeah. all these like, boutiques <laughs> and brunch places there's um, the, and then there's italian yeah visited. and like yeah. you know this is like the neighborhood where like all the wealthy like persians and like you know lebanese are and like I just, I I don't ever remember seeing such pockets of communities so clearly defined. Like I think of New York as somewhat of a comparison, but even then it's, it's much more chaotic and much more of a melting pot. And like, I just i thought
0: that was striking uh, oh oh yeah we grew up in the west end or so like so the west end is like you know west mount all the way through oh,
2: west end okay
0: yeah 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 we grew up in west mount <laughs> not in like the super nice part of west mount in like the medium nice part which is still really nice and but our you know all of, but west mount through coat st luke and Hampstead. i mean we mm-hmm. could have grown up and only known jews if we if we wanted to um although our neighbors weren't but like we we had a very we lived in the, the that specific jewish part of montreal because there's a few different jewish parts of montreal where the neighborhoods like it, it, it's again living in an alternative you know universe in this like extremely catholic religious not religious in terms of people practicing it but a lot of catholic imagery in the city and then you drive into some neighborhoods and there's like huge menorahs on the front lawn during that,
2: that was striking too. Is that the the Catholicism was apparent, like you said, in the imagery, but like the churches were boarded up, people didn't really practice. um
0: That's like and, Europe. I feel like that's also European. Lily, is that like what it's like? Like, Lily, you're
2: yeah.
1: I, I mean, I mean, people are really into their churches here, so I mean there's a lot of churches but I think that it's comparable in the sense that this is a Catholic country and Quebec in general is like a Catholic mm-hmm. province but mm-hmm. people nowadays um it's just cult- it's more cultural than anything else right. and, and like still things are not open here on Sundays or a lot of things aren't open here on Sundays and when my parents moved to Quebec that was how it was mm-hmm. but as we got older that was dropped and things are open seven days a week and people work seven days a week. But, but
0: all the so, great French swear words in Quebec are still all these like very religious,
1: religious iconography. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's amazing. That's such a funny coincidence. So,
0: so all right, Cadenar, okay, we talked about, we talked about Montreal, which was kind mm-hmm. of like my surprise for Lily, but. That let's, is, that's
1: quite the surprise. You let's... and Kamala this week, like mind blown. <laughs> Totally. But
0: let's let's learn a little bit more about you. So, I mean, my this is a this is kind of a open-ended, bold question. But who is Kadenard Raymond?
2: Who's Kadenard? Okay, so first things first, Kadenard is a very, very proud Black woman. Pronouns are she, her, all of that. I am Haitian American, like we discussed. Um, I am very proud to be Haitian-American. And I think that I represent a generation of first Haitian-Americans and then a lot of other diaspora that are having like a renaissance of pride Um, generation. So I'm a millennial. And I think Generation X and the preceding generations of Haitians and then Caribbean-Americans and then even like African as in like Nigerian, Malian, We, they dealt with a lot of the backlash of being black immigrants. Um, They were ostracized by black Americans. They were ostracized obviously by like white communities. And it was all about assimilation for those generations, including my parents. Um, It was learn English, don't have an accent. It was, you know, do the activities that you see, you know, the wealthy suburban kids doing like play lacrosse, play softball. (laughs) I'm gonna make you turkey you know and cheese sandwiches we're not gonna i'm not gonna send like you know ethnic food with so that sort of thing that was that generation and i kind of got some of that growing up but then there was a shift in and i attribute it to globalization and like the internet and like traveling where it was cool to be an other it was cool to have that hyphen like it's 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 boring to just be american like what is what is something that ties you to something more exotic? And I say that tongue in cheek because I I think exotic is a pejorative term, but what makes you different, one. And then two, I think for me growing up in DC, I was born and raised in DC, where you have these two dynamics, which is one, the immigrant community dynamic. I, I was born and raised in Northeast, just like, you know, socioeconomically poor, lots of Central Americans, lots of Caribbean Americans. But then you have DC, Northwest proper, which is, you know, the, the capital of the, of the world essentially. So you have diplomats, you have all these renowned in, educational institutions, the idea of international relations and development and all these things. So growing up in that environment, I feel like there was no doubt I was going to enter into something, some sort of career that was international. So fast forward, I go to American University. You know, bleeding heart liberals who love all things international affairs. (laughs) (laughs) Then met some Wrangle and Pickering fellows when I did an internship at the State Department. Decided to join. um, Became a diplomat. Um, I'm kind of rushing through this, (laughs) Um, but uh, I think that. The fact that I'm a a US diplomat and the fact that I'm Haitian American are the things that are most important to me in terms of my identity. And the the diplomat part is interesting because in D.C. there are a lot of people that hate that we very quickly ask what you do. A lot of people are like, I don't like that in D.C. people ask that question up front because I do. I feel
0: I feel awkward sometimes asking it, even though I'm genuinely interested. It's not like I'm trying to get a job. (laughs)
2: <laughs> but I I honestly, and this is going to ruffle some feathers, I think the people that take issue with it the most are not proud of what they do, are not, ha- are not happy where they are in life, and that's why it doesn't represent who they are. I'm the opposite. I'm honored that I do this job. This job absolutely informs who I am as a person. And that's why when people ask who is Cadenar, like, I, I have to bring that up. This is the only job I've ever had. It's not the only job I've ever wanted. I didn't see myself working for the U.S. government when I was when I was in like high school and, and undergrad. But now that I've done this for now, going on ten years, and everything about the more social aspect of my life is is diplomatic in nature. Um, when you ask who I am, that's what you're gonna get. So. <laughs>
0: I love, I love, I love that answer. And, you know, again, we go, we go back quite a few years, but it's not a question I have asked you before. So it's really, it's really wonderful to hear the answer. And, and when you say that answer, then I'm like, yeah, of course. Cause in talking to you and knowing what you're passionate about that, that's what shines through a lot of the, at least for, there are so many layers and one of the layers that I love about you is that, you you dig pop culture and you dig movies and television, and we have spent hours talking about it. And, and as I mentioned um, when we started, I, like, I've learned a lot from you. I mean, I've talked about on this show uh, I, about the time that I rewatched Do the Right Thing, and I had this friend who sat me down and explained to me why Spike Lee was so agitated all these years uh, or was special um, was that because he may do the right thing? this is what I, I remember learning from you is that you you he may do the right thing, and he was a young kid, and he was so amazing and so visionary that that like the amount of frustration he would have about not being recognized. And then so I was like, okay, well, I'll go back and I'll watch Do the Right Thing. And I watched Do the Right Thing. And it kind of blew my mind. And and it kind of brought me to the complete other end of loving Spike Lee and all of his work and, and immersing myself in what he has to say about his work and not the hype. Um, and so uh a thank you b it's a nice reveal to have the person who had that influence i hope i did i hope i can i represent the conversation properly yes, I
2: hope I did. You're very welcome. Um,
0: so what i need well, what i would love to know now is like what are you watching now like what what cool stuff should people be watching it doesn't have to be you know as impactful as as the spike lee moment for me but what what are you interested in these days
2: so that's a good question um I am preparing to go be the public affairs officer in Trinidad, as we've discussed. So actually what I'm watching are short films and shows to get familiar with Trinidadian culture, Trinidadian, and Tobagonian culture. Um, There's this really cool app that I just discovered um, called Qualey TV it's a streaming app and it has a lot of how do we spell that it's k-w-e-l-i
0: k-w-e-l-i cool
2: and it was founded by a black woman um i discovered it in so i'm sure you all are aware after the george floyd murder and the national discussions that have happened there's a lot of emphasis and focus on buying black and investing in black and like who are black creatives that we can support. And so I came across this woman and her app and it's actually phenomenal. And I'm surprised that I hadn't heard of it before, but she has curated and collected um, films, short films and shows that normally appear in film festivals, local film festivals. And she's put them all on this app so we can you know, consume and celebrate without having to go to a festival, which is important now because of the pandemic. So she has stuff from the Caribbean islands. She has stuff from West Africa. She has like black American content too. And that's, that's essentially what I'm watching is a bunch of just short films and documentaries. That's Um, very
0: cool. Now, you know, if our mother has been to Trinidad and Tobago and, um, has, has, I think done what she does in every country. She's gone to Bulgaria, Latvia, Nigeria, no, Kenya, Kenya. Um, Uh, Saudi Arabia. No, no, not Saudi Arabia. I'm mixing up all the places Mom's been. Mom's been to Kuwait. She's been to Kenya. She's been to Brazil. Yeah, I mean, it's true. With Mom, you can just name a country. But she's been to Trinidad and Tobago. A bunch of
1: times. I
0: I don't think it would necessarily be the right thing for this app, because this would be like a sort of like Jewish mother comedy, you know? (laughs) But... Our mother in Trinidad and Tobago is some of the funniest, like, interactions I've ever heard of, right, Lil? I mean, like, when you're when you're she's calling just, her when she's down there, she's like, hold on, I'm sorry, I'm going out to the clubs with my students. I'll
1: call just you just back. She's having the best time ever. She's like, I'm hopping a small plane to get to a little beach or something for the weekend. Yeah, and
2: that's, honestly, loves- that's the culture. It just, it it, it brings you in. Um, that's what's kept me going to to Trinidad over the years and now and now as as public affairs officer it's it's so good vibes quote unquote from <laughs> the return it's just good easy vibes L-
1: so, lily she, she's met wonderful people too she's made wonderful friends there
0: and 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 lily's lived in the island pace granted it's a yes, spanish right. island pace so right. it's different the lowest... The slowest island on the planet. <laughs> Lily, I heard, the, I heard the, the people who came to work on your house today showed up at 11. They okay, were supposed they to sh- show
1: up. They, they showed up at 11. At 11.22, 11. they went for breakfast. Aye, aye, aye. They came back at 12 because they needed to like brainstorm on how they were going to do the work. That's what they said. And <laughs> they, they got back at 12 at two seventeen, they went for lunch and at 4 15 like almost to the minute they were like oof it's been a hard day and they <laughs> paced out and i was like but i've clocked three hours that
2: is too good
1: like and they're like we'll just come back tomorrow i'm like or the next day or the next day And my mom literally turned around and she's like, You wanted to live on an island. This is what
0: you get. And our and our mom, of course, you know, comes from an island, but you know she Fanny runs Fanny runs by her own rules.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, well when we were messaging back and forth. Kadenard, we we were. T- I think I think you asked me. You said, "Are you watching Watchmen?" Mm-hmm. And I and I said, "Oh yeah, I I watched it a while ago. I watched it at the recommendation of uh, Tony Dobish from the Take Two podcast. us other podcasters here in Washington D.C. Tony told mm-hmm. me this was like." the best show he saw all year, like, go watch it. And so I watched it a while ago, and then Lily watched it. And we never had a chance to to break it down. But when you said that you had watched it, I was like, oh, there's one person I need to talk about this show with. It is kidnard. And also because Lily doesn't understand most of what happened, like from a plot standpoint, it will be extra fun when she asks us questions on what exactly was going on.
2: Lily, did you watch it when it first came out or did you watch it watch it recently recently okay me too
1: yeah like uh during like yeah like march april fairly recently Mm -hmm. um yeah and um it's fresh i find it a little bit frustrating because this show to me is extraordinarily brilliant and shy and i were just like briefly talking about it and I was just like from a, a cultural studies point of view, the, the complexity and the layering of just the, all the different things that it tackles uh, culturally and and especially like woven into a comic book is phenomenal. And at the same time, it like makes no sense.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: <laughs> I'm just like, I, I was just like, I was like, well, maybe if it made a little bit more sense, <laughs> it could have been better. And so it just I, I find it a little bit like that dichotomy a bit frustrating. I understand that um, like the creator, you know, we're talking about the creator of uh, uh, Damon,
0: Damon
1: Lindelof. I don't have it, he's the
0: creator of the show but not the original plot.
1: Not the original comic, right? That's more, right? But but like he has like a major influence obviously on the show cuz he's the showrunner, but um, you're talking about Lost and Leftovers, so that's what you get. And I read something. Like, some, I I just want to say, like I read this thing that said, um, if his style has things that, like in the in you know in the his in his shows that don't need to be fully understood to be effective. Mm-hmm. And that sentence to me, I'm like, no, no, but maybe they do. That's so. <laughs> A lot of the show that I I wish I could have. I think the important things are understood, and you, I think the like there's so many great messages in the show that you take away from it that are fantastic, and the uh, it, maybe it doesn't really matter all the stuff that makes no sense.
2: Mm-hmm. But I
1: also found like the middle, the first episode's perfect, the last two episodes I think are perfect, and or the or three, um, and then there's somewhere in the middle that I was just like, I I find it annoying when I'm watching a show and going what the whole time, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a perfect show, but I think it
2: is brilliant if that can it coexist. I agree with you 100%. I think, I think that what drew me in the most was the level of surrealism, because the context in which I had heard my friends raving about Watchmen was because of the first episode. Yep. There was very little, I think, mainstream discussion of the Tulsa Massacre. And all of a sudden you have this HBO show that like puts it in your face in the first episode. Um, there are not a lot of people that I know that were familiar with watching in the comic. And so to have them talking about it, like that's what piqued my interest. But I still didn't watch it back then. I watched it when they um, when HBO streamed it on Juneteenth. And I think hmm. what is what I like about it is that there is there is a way to talk about systemic racism that is informative, but you also lose people, like people's eyes glaze over sometimes. Mm -hmm. Let's just be realistic about this. And when you're talking about like the idea of reparations, you know, people have very visceral reactions to that, whether that's very good, whether that's good or bad. When you're talking about um you know genealogy and when you're talking about like what this country is built on when you're talking about what white supremacy looks like whether it's like you know out in places that will never go to like deep south or whether it's like a senator the way that the show did that I think was brilliant because like Lily mentioned it's like you know these little things that you throw in there that you're like that doesn't really make sense like the first time I heard red I was like, did the boys just say it wrong? (laughs) (laughs) But it's weaved in. It's entertaining. It piques your curiosity. um, And then you have all this surrealism and like, you know, this imaginative, you know, storytelling going on around it to keep you engaged. I thought it was really well done. I really liked it
0: i i i loved it and i i actually enjoyed the original movie and I'm familiar with the comic um, but the original movie at least really it deals with the issue of vigilanteism and with the issue of uh, doing a doing horrific things for the greater good and and the moral complexity of that it doesn't really tackle race at all in fact i don't even remember if there is a black character. No, in I original. don't think so. And so,
1: well, I no. Was, they said that I read that <laughs> I was reading up on the movie because I had seen that years ago, and that movie is a piece of shit. And I wanted to remember how bad it was, and I was like, the only I di- the like the, the, I really didn't, and the, the, like the diversity in the film, like it's all white actors, and then a blue actor, and that's it, mm.
0: <laughs> played by a white guy. Yeah, and and so. <laughs> I wasn't actually going to go and watch the show because I was like, I don't know if I need more Watchmen, you know, not, not, not because of lack of diversity, but just, I was like, eh, wasn't this over and shut? Why are they revisiting this property? But the original Watchmen was created, I believe in the eighties or at least in the nineties. And it was a heavy, heavy comment on, on Reagan, on Reagan America, heavy, heavy comment on Reagan America, because it asked this question, what if. What if Nixon essentially won right. and, and the
1: Cold War. And, and you have, like, the nuclear threat. And, like, and, really and, stuff that today is not as big of an issue. It, kind of. It,
0: it, well, exactly. And, yeah. and so, what I then became fascinated with when I watched Watchmen, I was like, oh, now they're taking Watchmen again as a vessel to whack us over the head with some very, 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 very difficult Truths and and really really tough ethical questions about what's right and what's wrong, and um, and uh, and really really go head on on issues of race, which that that property really had completely absent from it. Like I was amazed at how deftly and complexly this show um, told uh, a, a black American story. When mm-hmm. I was like, this wasn't even in the Watchmen universe before, and then I kind of flip it the other way, being like, well, if you view Watchmen as a as a tool or as a as a as a palette, that's, ha- to, to, that's ex- to, a
1: vehicle for ta- exactly. I think that's amazing how they.
0: So so I love that, but then still- my uh, my other reaction also um, to it is I really like the just totally freaking weird stuff. Like the stuff with with Jeremy Irons. Oh like,
1: my God, I cannot you know, deal with that. In his,
0: because cause I, I, I'm familiar with the character of Adrian Veidt, who is this guy who considers himself so smart that he can do whatever he wants to society because it's what's better for it. Like he kills right. millions of people in the previous mm-hmm. one. So the idea that he's murdering clones for whatever reason he's doing them is like absurd, but like... Could it be better cast than Jeremy Irons? Just being No, super? no.
1: I mean, Jeremy Irons is delicious. It's just like that whole thing. So, is... so I, like the, I man, like the
0: weird. I
2: like that. He is delicious. He is. I love him. <laughs> but but ultima- that thing was a lot.
0: But ultimately, what the show comes down to is Regina King. Yeah. Regina King is so amazing as a lead in this show. She absolutely well and i i mean i've always i've always loved her she's always i always thought she was awesome but for me this this show made her an action star mm-hmm. it made her um sexual and attractive but without being um uh, exploitative mm-hmm. um uh it it made her uh it, it had her as a as a deep good loyal friend but also someone with with pulls to her family and and willingness to kind of break her own code for for other reasons. I, I just loved the character. And that someone
2: they with
1: created. serious serious trauma, yeah. generational trauma, but then her own personal trauma. And and so for so for me, complex. like
0: ultimately, what all those weird things and all the using it as a metaphor for other things ultimately like comes down to the fact that regina king crushes it and i want like every scene she was in that show i was completely captured by it so that's kind of like my my overall reaction so um kate Nard, as you were watching the show there is that very iconic first episode
2: mm-hmm. which very
0: much it deals with uh I, there's going to be spoilers people have to have seen this show already so just we always do spoilers on our show so it 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 it, it, it um it kind of reveals that both her her mentor and friend, who survived this white supremacist attack on the police, was himself also a member of the either the Klan or the Cyclops or or, I, 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 or some variation of it.
1: The, the, the Seventh Calvary, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: And how 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 does your reaction to that one episode? How, Happen like how does that unfold, and then how does it unfold as the show goes on? Because I had no idea what the show is going to be about, and so uh, so we go from there to squids, to clones, back to racism in New York,
1: white slave clones. So it's even more complicated. It's not just normal clones. It's it's like so layered.
0: So yeah, Uh, how did your how did your reaction evolve over time?
2: I think. I feel Lily. I just, there were a lot of moments where I was like, this show is doing too fucking much. I can't. (laughs) It's hard to keep up. Because it went pretty quickly from, if I can recall, it went pretty quickly from Tulsa to present day squids dropping from the sky and then over to Vite. And the clones, and I think they were like "Happy Birthday," and you're like, "What's going on here?" And you know what I mean? They're... Yeah. So, I would say that my my reaction to the show was always intense curiosity, mm-hmm. confusion, and interest. You know what I mean? Um,
1: right. The... And it, like weirdly, I felt like I was also it was educational. Like at the Absolutely. same time, I, I was like, oh, this, this is I was learning this, a lot as I was watching it. So I was like, okay, you gotta keep watching it because it's yeah, fascinating.
2: Exactly, you gotta keep watching it. For me, as a black woman, there was immediate distrust of the police chief, and I don't okay. remember
1: who. Can, 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 um, well, it's Don Johnson, the actor, but
2: yeah, uh, yeah. Judd. Oh. I
0: believe his name is
1: Judd. Can we? Can we? Pause on that for a sec, and probably as a white woman, I was like, "Oh, he's so nice," <laughs> <laughs> and it was so pathetic to the point when she finds the hood or the like the KKK garb. I was like, "That can't be his,
2: right? right. That's,
1: that's definitely a that's an accident. That must be he didn't know it was there. There's no way he was just so." My mom's looking at me like, "Are you serious?" And 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 I was just like, I so, and I think probably also because I felt so bad for her. All right, like I didn't, I so didn't want her to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And I think the actor did a great job, and it probably too much. Like I was fooled, but it was probably layered on too thick. That, that he that was, was
2: phenomenal all the actors yeah every single like, person acted he, their ass off I, in that scene.
1: so can i ask you do you like both do you think it's possible that the character of this police chief was a secret member of the seventh calvary, calvary and, and doing all these horrible things but actually really loved her as like a surrogate daughter like she was his exception or oh, yeah. if it was all fake and that's why he's doing
2: all the cocaine no and <laughs> like, i think so that's, that's why the show is so smart Because it is representing exactly what we have in the United States right now, which is that, Lily, you and Shy are privileged in a way that white supremacy in the world, not just in the United States, but white supremacy in the world has empowered you in ways and privileged you in ways that I'm not. Does that mean that what you benefit from means you actively dislike me? No. I think it's the same thing in the show. Whatever, he, whatever demons he had, whatever his past was, whatever his present was, and whatever he thought was best for Tulsa and essentially best for the United States was a function of white supremacy. And that's not mutually exclusive from him being able to love Regina King. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that absolutely represents society in the same way that the Senator thought he was doing the best by co-opting into it. Um, and one thing that we didn't talk about is The skillful way that they wove the police narrative into this, right? So we we had already witnessed, like you know, protests and issues with like police killing unarmed Black people, Um, and so we're having uneasy dialogues about law enforcement in our society. And this all happened before George Floyd, and you know, I just thought it was so impressive. How they flipped the narrative. Mm-hmm. So the, the police institution is actually the victim. And how do we protect them? We protect them by having them be masked. And then we have like, you know, these sort of underdogs, including Angela, or Regina King, um, as a police officer. I just it just it makes you think. It's it was such a smart, smart show. That's why I continue to be impressed by it because of all and, the layers like we've talked about.
1: And and while I think like The black man uh, lynching the white man is very in your face, and that's not—you don't need to read much into that flipping of the script. It it like you're saying that's on the surface, and that's like if you were to write a paper on that about this show, you would like get a B minus or a C because the (laughs) prof would be like, "Really? Thank you." But under that. Is that he's the police chief, and the police have to hide their face, and Mm. there's a a resurgence of the white supremacy in the town. It's like, but it's hidden, Mm. and the set like there's so many other elements that are dealing with justice and race, and and then it's rooted in Tulsa, which I mean, if you pulled how many people watched the show and had no idea about that massacre i bet it's 90 something percent well so
0: so here's a question i have so this is a show that is telling an alternative history you know like i mean it's 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 on purpose it's different robert redford's the president in 2019 right it's telling an alternative history but as lily said she's learning as she's watching this so how do you all feel about the weaving it, like it was an effective way because you got to go and learn, right? Like you have to go and learn if you're, you know, if you're not assuming this is. But it, but it's a very interesting way to teach people about what is happening right now. And I mean, it's not just right now. Like as much as you know, uh, you know, I think one of the important lessons about this show is yes, it is really, really on point in the context of the George Floyd um, murder and then and the protests. But as as we're all learning at least in, in, in our, my community, this, this, this film and the, and the story of George Floyd could have happened a million times, right? Mm-hmm. Between now and beforehand. So, um, but how do you feel about the mixing of not history and history with something that is actually telling a lot of truth? Does that make sense? I guess maybe that's yeah. just movies. Maybe that's just movies in general. Like all movies are alternative history. It's
2: a- I, again, I think it gets to the point that lily brought up about when she read they interspersed things that make sense with things that don't make sense and you just i mean it it's 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 part of what we love right and when i think about elements of watchmen i also think about you guys know jordan Peele. he did get out yeah and- mm-hmm. uh, yeah um after he did get out I realized how much we, we as an audience also love to find the symbols. Oh yeah, for Even sure. Even the director and the writer intended for things to be symbolic becomes irrelevant. Like the think pieces and the conversations that we have afterwards, we're like, oh yeah, the rabbit meant this. And like, you know, that red screen meant that. I think it's the same thing with Watchmen. I think there are some things um, I'm not going to take away from Damon's genius. I think there are, a lot of things that he he was intentional about and he was like I want to send a message with this and that but I also think there are some things he was like yeah that's funny or the the other writers in the room were like yeah let's let's call him this and let's do that and right. the audience can do what it wants with that imagery and that information
1: and i think that that mix of comic bookness or or the like the exaggerated fiction or even like get to the point where it's like a bit surrealist is even uh, I don't know if it's totally on purpose, but it's beneficial. And I, I read an article, uh, an interview with Regina King about it, and she was like, I, "I've done a lot of work where race is an issue. Like, it's not my first, you know, thing where um, race is like a, a part of the of the film or the the piece or whatever. But maybe because it was so straightforward or so." specific or more realistic it doesn't get such a big audience and she called she referred to the uh, watchman as a gumbo of like just a pile on a mix of all this different stuff and she's like who doesn't like that so you're you're able to reach and connect with people on a lot in many more ways and you know I, I and I and I don't think they treat the race stuff frivolously they don't make it seem you know, like, um, superficial at all. So it has a way where it draws you in, in this kind of comic book, you know, she is a superhero and you're following a superhero the whole time. Um, and so you're learning, but you're also enjoying the excitement of what a superhero type show is. And then it's takes it up a notch and then you like have a whole section of the show where you're like going, what's happening? <laughs> Like I couldn't tell them I'm like, am I dumb or is this show make no sense? <laughs> and so, like I lived in that little realm. So, so
0: for here, a while. here's kind of a simple question. I, I mean, it's a simple question with a complicated answer. So Regina King is the hero of the show. Mm-hmm. Who else is a hero in this show? You know, Adrian Vite would tell you he's a hero. He's always viewed himself as a superhero. He's incredulous at the end when they're going to send him to jail yeah. and he doesn't believe it.
1: Mm. Uh, and the and the the Vietnamese scientist, true. She thinks so she's
2: we need to talk about yeah, we yeah, need to talk about she her and
1: that. Clearly thinks she's a hero.
2: And I think that that's what I'm saying with the show and the layers and just peeling things back like an onion. The fact that she was conceived by, you know, n- non-consensual insemination, and then she is a genius in her own right, but she's a, mo- I t- I'm telling you, it's just genius. So, in the United States, and I think now globally, there's also the conversation around the model minority, Right? In the United States specifically, East Asian people are the model minority above all others. In my perspective as a black person, it goes East Asian. So like Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, um, and then South Asian, Indian, Pakistani. And then like, you know, the Latinos are hard workers and then it's like the black people. And I think in the show where you have this vietnamese woman being this super smart super ambitious but also savior-like type of character obviously flawed because the way that she wants to do it is you know is wrong wrong. ultimately Wrong. 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 wrong um but she aligns with the black guy in this plan i think that 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 says so much and that drives the conversation in and of itself that could be a whole season in and of itself
1: absolutely Um,
2: yeah this this show gives you so many different um topics and categories to to discuss and to unpack um so i I wanted to put put in a shout out for her um you know and i think her and adrian are sort of like what would you call them like anti-heroes like you yeah, know yeah i
1: think i mean they're vi- i mean they're villains technically i think if you're in comic book language and often the villain thinks they're doing the right thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the actual hero who's mr dr manhattan is like the worst part of the show i mean the one who actually has the all power and everything
2: Disappointment, oh, right? Just what are you doing with all that power all that stuff you got going right. on? <laughs> Why? why are we even here we don't have to be here that's yeah. how i felt about him
1: well, um, part of
2: part of where I felt like with Lily, I was just like, what am I not getting about Dr. Manhattan? So this if I, my, I the most annoying plot thing to me.
0: So part of what I think I can I can layer in from what I know from the comic is Dr. Manhattan's this scientist that the the the, the accident happens to him becomes Dr. Manhattan. But his right. evolution into this godlike being takes place over a very long like over a long period and as he evolves and becomes more and more and more and more superhuman and he helps the United States win the Vietnam War and he's creating all sorts of scientific things and he can create doubles of himself that appear all over the place, he becomes more and more and more detached from his humanity.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's, I think, part of – that That I think is part of why he – his – decision making is not, does not really fit as much into our sense of like right and wrong and interfering with time. But what's, what's interesting and what I found very redeeming about the character is the end of Watchmen in the eighties, right? In the Dr. Manhattan becomes complicit in Adrian Veidt's plot and covers over it because he thinks that it is better to try to, essentially help that plot go ahead this horrific um this horrific destruction in new york and um and he he kills rorschach who is the witness who wants to tell everyone what really happened and what adrian the plot was but dr manhattan's complicit in it and then he exiles himself off of earth because he believes it's right. too dangerous mm-hmm. and what i loved about this story because I'm an optimist and because I always want to believe that something has a soul and people always have their soul and people have the potential to love. And like, for me, I'm always going to be okay with any movie where like, like in the fifth element, the fifth element is love. All they needed was love to, you know, so that, that, that overriding power for me, this was actually a really nice bookend on the story of Dr. Manhattan, because what it showed me is that Dr. Manhattan, who had other relationships earlier, he had We
1: like have like a bunch of scenes with his ex girlfriend trying to call him.
0: Well, right, she's a character (laughs) on Mars, right? So he has these. (laughs) That's right there. Leave him
1: a forty five minute voicemail. He's not listening to it.
0: (laughs) And to me, the fact that Doctor Manhattan not only found love, fell love, found love with this person who is seemingly normal. And that moment of falling in love is part of this chain reaction of saving humanity. I'm not really sure what it meant, but on just a character level, it meant a lot to me because I never, it never sat well with me that Dr. Manhattan had all this power, allowed all this destruction, and disappeared. Mm-hmm. So if you're just looking at that arc of just that character... I like knowing that Dr. Manhattan loved and actually sacrificed himself, as opposed to the last time I saw Dr. Manhattan, when he allowed millions of people to die well, for the, yeah. of this strange and,
1: Well, he, he like commits suicide while not wasting his power, for, but while handing it over. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's done being Dr. Manhattan, and he it ends with him giving his power to her, right? Because she can walk on the water in the boat. Well, we don't know.
0: Right, and that's else, one. Of the, so that oh, she actually, takes
1: the step, but do you not? Do we not see her we, actually? We don't,
0: we don't see. So right. I, I just read recently that HBO has agreed not to make another season of this without Damon Lindelhoff, who has said he felt the story's over, or at least for now the story's over. And I'm good with that because I don't like. I mean, it might be interesting to see more, but I also think this was a pretty amazing feat that they pulled this off. What mm-hmm. do what do you, you Kaden or what do you think should there be a second season? What would you do with the second season? What would you explore?
2: There's not going be a second season, and I feel like Damon is being selfish and a little bit of a drama queen and saying I'm done. <laughs> done. no more. Right there should be a second season. Um, I think with the renewed interest, especially after Juneteenth, people want more Regina King. Um. I think, so Shy, when we first spoke about the show, I said that after Regina, my favorite was Looking Glass mm-hmm. and Adrian. But I realized, and I don't know if this changes my lineup, but as we were talking about you know, her sending jokes to her ex, Agent Blake, was also kind of brilliant and funny in a way that I would like to see her again. And I want to know more about her story. So I think she she was great. Yeah. I think in a, if, if we were to do a second season, we need to explore like those character lines more, because there are people that like shy will be familiar with Watchmen and the backstory. And maybe we'll want to do some more digging. And there are folks that are like, this is where I start, and I want more after this. I don't need to know what happened in the past.
0: I want to see Blake and Looking Glass solving the next mystery.
2: Develop, develop this, like, let's see a little bit more of that, like, Looking Glass, Agent Blake dynamic, where they're like, you know, there's tension, but then they're working together. Um, and I think the reason why Looking Glass is my second favorite character is, again, it goes back to distrust. I have a very visceral reaction to white men with southern accents because of the history of this country. And so my whole thing is what is looking glass about? Is he an ally? Is he is he gonna be helpful? Is he gonna turn on her? Yep, totally turns on her. Nope, that was a that was a fake. He's he's pump faking. He's really down for the cause. So I think seeing how their partnership develops in the future, um, you know, seeing what other shenanigans that they can get into in this dystopian, weird, you know, sci fi world. I want to see more of it. And I think there are so many brilliant people out there that HBO saying they're not gonna move forward with the show if it's not Damon is stupid to me. He's not the only good writer. He's not the only I agree. And I feel like it could
1: even be interesting to, to have somebody else tackle it. Yeah. And, and,
0: I mean, you, you're making a really gr- amazing point here. In fact, when you think about it, he wasn't the original storyteller of Watchmen. Watchmen was Alan Moore's...
1: And he, it's like he directed cast. the best episodes... <laughs> like to be honest, I mean, he and he wrote them with a partner. Like he it was, not, he's not the well, only. Well, it's look. not like Alan Ball. Like I think Alan Ball's brilliant, and uh, Six Feet Under is brilliant, and like True Blood and uh, all that. Like that, you couldn't do. Like he's the essence of those shows, or, or um, I mean, there's a million directors or showrunners mm-hmm. that are the essence. I don't. I think it was cool and interesting, but I don't think that it's fair to tie all of this franchise or this possibility for this mm-hmm. show like you're like you're saying that could have a real impact now moving forward just mm-hmm. on him because he's being a prima donna yeah
0: right strong case for season two okay
1: <laughs> as,
0: as we wrap up our conversation on Watchmen, because i'm conscious of time so there's a there's a I mean, shtick we can literally
1: on. talk about the show forever there's so much uh
0: we do we do what we call MVP, which is your most valuable player or your most mm-hmm. valuable performer. And that can be a character or it can be the actual actor. And sometimes you're talking about an actor's performance and sometimes you're talking about a character. Mm-hmm. Least valuable player can be, again, the actor whose performance you can't stand or the character you like the least or, you know, it's a very wide... And then the MIP, which is the most improved, excuse me, which is the one that... From the beginning to the end, or from one season to another, depending on which show your relationship with has evolved and improved. Now, it doesn't end up necessarily being your favorite, but the one that the one that you improved the most. Mm-hmm. Lily, I believe you've been you've been chomping on this for a while. So where I have, are...
1: and I keep switching mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, like obviously, Avar, Angela Avar, Just her name, the way it sits in your mouth. Like I love saying her name. I love the way other people say her name in the show. I love the way she introduces herself. Sister Knight's a great character. and we find out her background, like there, it's just, it's amazing. And she was phenomenal. The actress, but also just the whole thing was just so good. The costuming. Yes, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time she was on screen, I just wanted to keep watching her. Um, It it was even like, even romantic. I don't know how to explain it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I just felt like an attraction to her character so much. And I thought she just did so beautifully then the least is probably dr manhattan because while again i think it's so interesting and so cool that like you know that the, that he ends up cool i mean that's not the right word but he's dr manhattan he chooses to become a person for like a ton of years and it's a uh a, a young black man who then is her partner uh, I get not remember if they don't think they get married, but they're together and they're raising children and um, it's born out of a tragedy, but it's like they end up having this family, but I couldn't help the whole time being like, really? She should be with somebody better than this. <laughs> like <it's laughs> kind of boring. Right. And so, and, and then- all you That's the best you can do, it's 10 years. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, she's just so much cooler than him But if you look at his whole backstory, it makes sense. He's losing, he's like on the, you know, being with her maybe is his last attempt to try and feel human and he does love her. But um, yeah, and I would say Jeremy Irons' plot is my least least favorite. I love him, but that whole thing drove me nuts most of the show. And um, so like, yeah, that's a close tie. And the most improved is the Reeves character um her grandfather to me because not because at at any point he's not great but it's i mean lou gossett jr right i mean mean, yeah right lou gossett jr is phenomenal but but he's um from his first introduction at the beginning of the show to how significant his character grows throughout the entire thing to her on a personal level, on a political level, in a superhero sense, because he's the first superhero and then his backstory. And obviously that the nostalgia pill episode is one of the most brilliant like pieces of television. Anybody's ever seen that hour where she watches his trauma, but through her perspective. I mean, that's, you could write a thesis on that, you know, I was like, oh, he seems like like an old dude that's probably related to her. And then by the end, you're like, he's such an important character in this whole story and in the show, The History of the United States, <laughs> that to me it was really cool. Like, sorry, I, I guess improved might not be the right word, but I think they did a great job with that character.
0: How about you, her?
2: Um, okay, so just because Lily um made the case for Regina King, which I think a lot of people proposing do.
1: marriage to I'm Regina not,
2: King. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. By default, as a black woman, I'm writing for Regina. Y'all know that. <laughs> or obviously. Absolutely. Let's move to somebody else. As I've said, looking glass, my second favorite and I just I wanna put in so many plugs for for him, I think his real name is like Tim Blake something. Tim, Tim Blake, Blake Nelson. Nelson,
0: Nelson, who I believe is a Southern.
2: He's Jew. from Oklahoma.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, and he's and, and he that. and he's Jewish, right? Isn't he?
1: I, I mean, he's he made a Holocaust movie.
0: I'm pretty crazy, sure. Though. I'm pretty sure he is yeah. because I, I I'm going to now double check this, the, but I'm pretty sure because of like my own prejudices and bias. I remember I think Becky told me that, and I was like, "What? William that Becky. guy's not Jewish."
2: Um,
1: I mean, he's a a fantastic actor.
2: Fantastic Um, actor. So, uh, like, I'm putting in a plug for his character and his acting. mm -hmm. I I appreciated the vulnerability of his character coming through. So when you first see him, you're like, why does he have this, like, aluminum? And then when they go into the whole history of him in New Jersey and how it relates and, and it explains the whole squid plot, and then them, you know, illustrating this relationship with this woman, and now he has difficulty relating to women and dating, and then this other woman, like, reels him in, and then, you know, he saves the day, and you're wondering about what kind of friendship him and Angela have. I just, I I really found myself interested in his story, kind of like what Lily was saying with Angela. Every time he was on screen, I felt captivated. Mm-hmm. even though i'm very triggered by his accent i still think it's charming i mean it's just there it was a lot going on with that character so. well
0: they, they kind of make yeah. him seem like a little bit like one of these like militia you know guy who's stockpiling weapons for the apocalypse you know the 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 manifestation of wearing the the foil
1: on your head
2: yeah so that i think that was that's a really crucial character and that's like a linchpin in the show and-
1: and then ultimately it's rooted all of that craziness that could seem nefarious or not trustworthy is just, is rooted in a traumatic event as a child, as a young boy.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. And like
1: that levels, I think the playing field right there. And that's probably where I assume him and Angela connect.
2: Yeah. Um, so then there's least valuable char- player, least valuable character. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Dr. Manhattan, but well, not least valuable. Maybe least valuable was um, like the Senator. That's
1: a good point. I, 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 I,
2: I see why they needed to have that in there to demonstrate how yeah. the idea of white supremacy is not you know, unsophisticated People in just the south it's it's natural right. it's organized it's institutional, but I just thought it was just kind of annoying and just right and,
1: um, and and yeah and it, and it like makes it i mean up the point clear that like it it's even just sometimes political it's right. not ideological it's what's convenient politically
2: i think, I think that point could have been made with yeah right you know what I yeah. mean you show the right. whole society like yeah. i I don't know. I either, either they develop that more, or they just kind of throw it in to like be political. But I wasn't. I wasn't really moved by That's that. It's a really
1: good point. Mm-hmm. The most improved
2: is Agent Blake for me. So you know they portray her as like, okay, she's this this, this older woman. She is she's sharp, but she's sort of cynical about everything. Um, she's just going to come to Oklahoma and be an asshole, push people around, go after Angela. What's her deal? Um, but then there's the softness when you realize she's the ex of Dr. Manhattan mm-hmm. and, um, the, 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 elongation of that joke, like how she described <laughs> all the kids, but you don't know who she's describing until the very <laughs> end. And then, like, the brick that was thrown up in the air, and it's her. And I was just like, whoa, this is deep. So, I, you know, I started, I think, very expectedly and as they intended, just sort of being um, annoyed at how cynical she was and how she was coming in and, like, you know, elbowing things around. But in the end, I really liked Agent Blake. Yeah. So, That's I would you say think. she's most improved.
0: That's very cool. Well, I can't argue with your, both of your most valuables are are like easily ones I would make. I don't think I could make as good a case for somebody else. And I am, I'm very much with Lily on the most improved being, being, um, uh, hooded justice is the best, is hooded justice. Um, because again, Lou Gossett, always amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. But then that he's this linchpin, not only in the story of this Watchmen, but also in the original Watchmen. Right. Mm-hmm. like Hooded Justice is sort of a character you see. You They flash back to the Minutemen. During... I mean, we
1: didn't even touch on the, you know, the whole LGBT. Well,
0: so so like, here's where I'm going to go with my least my least valuable layering here. So my least valuable player is I'm going to go by character. Right. Not by actor. But Mr. Metropolis, the head of the Minutemen. Who is both in an affair, in an affair with with hooded justice, justice, but also not willing? To, I, I feel like there, there's a metaphor in there that I don't fully like. That I myself am not probably like just smart enough to to grasp at this point in my life. But to me, there is a lesson there about allyship and mm-hmm. about. Being a secret ally who's only, you know, who's only your lover behind closed doors or who's only once you and part of the team behind closed doors. But then when push comes to shove, can't, can't, I mean, is even below standing up for you Mm -hmm. to me is, is, is an important message. Um, And, and in some ways it's an important message about, you know, hooded justice goes out and does some extremely violent stuff after mm-hmm. he's rejected by Mr. Metropolis. To me, it, to me there, there's something about, and I could be wrong here, but w- w- when you look at when, when protests have turned violent and property has been damaged, and there's been a conversation around that, mm-hmm. and as I have learned because of my experience watching, to tie this all back to the beginning of the conversations, because of my experience watching and reading about Do the Right Thing, you know the the important conversation about well, you know why are you up in arms about the destruction of property in a way, or, or why you, why would you equate the destruction of property to the taking of someone's life, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and also an, uh, making an effort to understand where the where the anger or 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 or, or, or where the right, right righteous and rightful anger and desire for justice can be connected to actual violence, violence. that, that, mm-hmm. that, that they, they go together. To me, there's a lesson in Mr. Metropolis's failing to be an ally that ties his behavior to be like he is complicit. He is part of the cause of the violence. He is not simply just staying out of it. But if he's not being an ally, he is also giving lift to uh, a sense of, you know, hopelessness and anguishness that, that leads... That leads hooded justice to be as violent as he becomes, and as angry as he becomes. And oh, so and then like, and then so, eventually
1: so, align himself with like the psychotic scientist. <laughs> yeah, because and there's no so, one there's no one who will help him.
0: So, so to me, the lesson there is like if you think by if you think by staying out of it or being an ally only in private, you're on the right side. No, you're actually part like. You are it's part of and complicit, and part of anything you might be looking down on. Like for Mister Metropolis to then go and judge his actions, I don't know if he does, you know. But but for someone in that position to then go and judge Hooded Justice's actions, well, I'm like, well, what option did you give Hooded Justice? Where were you when he needed your help? And so that to me, that to, maybe I'm dry, maybe that's me looking for symbolism. But to me, that's where I, why Mister Metropolis to me. Is so upsetting because he's a cautionary tale, maybe to me, someone in my position, someone with privilege.
2: No, I don't think that's reading too much into it. I would agree with that. No, yeah,
1: there, like it is uncomfortable
2: Thing to, pull, to pull out from it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it's he makes you he makes me uncomfortable, and I think that's that's and
1: so much of his actions, you know, paint white around the eyes, and like so, it seemed to be to quote unquote to help hooded justice be able to do his job in a time where he wouldn't be accepted. Mm-hmm. He's doing all these favors and it's clear that, you know, it's what's convenient to him and when he really does need his help, he's not interested.
0: Yeah, because like, like the odds that someone like me, like in my position like, is going to be the Cyclops or the 7th Cavalry unlikely but mm-hmm. the much more dangerous potential reality is to be a mr metropolis right Mm -hmm. it's your liberal sort of like uh uh uh, and i think that's one of the incredible lessons we've been having right now about what's going on in society of 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 people stepping up their game and and you know accepting their um accepting their privilege and then doing something good with it and risking Mm -hmm. it for other people does that make sense yep um Wow, okay. Well, I mean, how else how
1: I mean and for the record, Tim Blake Nelson is a Jew from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So um
0: has got is... that
1: accent, but he's got that term. And and who is the
0: a descendant of Holocaust survivors on top yeah, of Yeah,
1: and he so. made he did this I knew I, I wouldn't be surprised that he was Jewish because he did make a movie called The Grey Zone. Oh, he made
0: the Gray Zone. I have never been yeah. able to watch that movie. It's an intense that movie is... about
1: the Holocaust, and he's in it. it. He acts. Isn't it? In it
0: isn't it, Isn't it about the people who like yeah, brought who, people to the gas chambers?
1: Yeah, it's about the 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 people in the Holocaust who survived by like doing taking orders from the Nazis that, but it was so that they could themselves survive, but were implicated.
0: Ooh, I've never I've never been able to watch that yeah, movie. So. Um, So
1: he's an interesting actor and human being, I guess, as well. But maybe there's something, you know, about his more, like, not your typical Southern background that comes through in his acting or something, or his mm -hmm. accent. He's a great all-around actor. Uh,
0: Well, that's a, I feel like that's a heavy, (laughs) there's no way Watchmen wasn't going to be a heavy conversation, I think.
1: No, it's supposed to be. It should be. I Um, mean, I'm excited, like, I... I'm so excited. It's like, I, sometimes I get jealous of like the content that has come out since I graduated university Mm -hmm. and I'm like so excited for what kids in like a university class should be and hopefully are being able to talk about with a show like this.
2: Say it again. I'm so, I'm so, so impressed with, so I have a 15 year old brother um and i am in love with his generation and the generations that are coming after them because of the conversations that they're having because of the reckonings that we're having in society that they have to confront now mm-hmm. and doing so are, are just going to be amazing human beings um they're sensitive they're activists they um They're just open in a way and and authentic in a way that I couldn't be. And I'm so excited for this generation. And I the they're the dialogue and the understanding that they begin at is so much higher than like you know what I mean? So I agree with you. I'm jealous, but I'm I'm happy that the in their hands too.
0: That's that's very that's
2: cool. Beautiful. Yeah. That,
0: okay. That is a great, hopeful note to close the Watchmen discussion. On every episode of the show, we give our recommendations and our shout outs. So, Kaden, do you have any? I know we talked a little bit about what you're watching and you talked about Quelly TV. Do you have any other recommendations of. Which
1: has an Instagram account you can follow. Yeah. Way, which it I does. just
2: followed. Mm-hmm. Um, other recommendations? So i'm I'm not really watching that much you know mainstream stuff the, the the other thing that I just finished on Netflix that I think merits a lot of conversation is Indian matchmaking, and I saw that that was oh my boosted.
1: God yeah <laughs> oh my God,
2: <laughs> I, saw that I was boosted and I was like yeah let me get, let me give that a shout out as well um have you watched have you watched it I have. It was so yeah. entertaining. My favorite character is Nadia, and right, right. Um, yeah. So I think I think people should watch that, and then I think people should talk about it. We need to have some serious discussions around it.
1: You know, I think it's it's it might be a misconception that first, like for some reason, it's not like a bachelor or anything like that, and it's not, you know, even like i i just think that there might be some misconceptions of what the show is about it's actually i mean of course it's fake it's
2: reality tv blah 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 but our love is blind but no there are right. talking about watchmen being layered there's so many yeah. layers in the show people gotta watch
1: and, and it's also educational like there's so many things that i did not know existed like a face reader i definitely <laughs> need to find one of those. i thought that was amazing like right. some of the like you show them a picture and they can tell you all about this person and their astrology sign and like i'm just like what is this and there's you know that i would never know i get a chance to know you know from where i'm from culturally about what that whole thing is like and it's um it was fat it's fascinating
2: yeah um and then two plugs that i always gotta make even though it's they don't have new seasons out um i'm not i don't really like heavy stuff but I like stuff that's informative. And what I always try to um, communicate to folks is that the Black experience is is broader, wider, and more dynamic than civil rights stuff and slavery stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think two shows that really do a good job at illustrating the Black experience as it relates to me are one, Blackish, and two, Insecure. So oh, yeah. Whenever I get the chance, always going to put in a plug for those shows um, because, you know, they're written and produced by black folks expertly and beautifully acted by black folks. And just, I think very, very authentic. So I'll leave it there.
0: We just actually decided we're going to start blackish with the kids. Cause it's, you know, ABC. I mean, we watched, uh, we watched the Goldbergs, which is on ABC, like right before, right after anyways. And our kids are like old enough to, to kind of get the humor, but also, um, also get the lessons. I was watching Everybody Hates Chris. I don't know if you ever did. You ever watch Everybody Hates Chris? Chris Rock's show. It's no, a great
2: yeah. show. Oh, yeah. that was so. Funny. I love that show. Yeah. So I was
0: watching it with my kids, and it's it's a harder edge of a humor, and so hard. like so they, but it's in some way, but it, it it tackles some of the stuff that Blackish does in its in its own way. But it's because mm-hmm. it's that got harder edge of the humor. My kids were like more sad watching it because like why is everybody yelling at each other and why did chris why does bad things always happen to chris i was like and so they expressed some interest in blackish in this last week we were we were talking about it over dinner table and i realized i'm like well blackish is more of a family show with like sort of you know more hugging at the end i think they'll like it more
2: i agree with the girls i don't like dark stuff um and i've become less tolerant of dark stuff in times so if it's light and airy, I'm all about it.
0: All right, that's cool. All right, those are great recommendations, and they don't need to be new. We, I mean, we recommend like random old 80s
1: stuff movies. all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: we promise on this show never to be timely and or important, but of course, this episode is both timely and important. And important. So I feel like you know we really you know this has been a really special episode. Wow, um, Lily, uh, what about you? What are you What are you watching in addition so, to?
1: Indiana? Right. I, I, apart from Indian matchmaking, um, which my sister has been recommending to us for weeks, and, um, and now I understand why. And um, I recommend Douglas on Netflix. Um, I don't know if, uh, if you've seen Nanette, um, the comedy special. Well, comedy it's more of like I that is uh, something oh my god the the um what well, the comedians name shy it just Gatsby seems, Gatsby yes thank you uh, Hannah Gatsby uh made a, a comedy special that wasn't actually as funny as I think people assumed it would be it was more like just like a truth telling of her story of her personal story and 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 uh, like trauma that she went through and then it it's very impactful and then she has a second one and it's then she starts off saying like had I know trauma would have been so popular I would have like spaced it out but mm-hmm. you know don't have much left for like the second special and so it's just more about like her like everyday you know uh, she's autistic and like everyday sort of things that happen and the way that it interacts with life and is really funny and endearing. Um, so that's called Douglas on uh, named after her dog. Shy. I feel like now that you like dogs, you might appreciate that. I always
0: like dogs. I not liked really. dogs. I just never no. wanted a dog. That means like now like I get dogs. up and I walk my dog like an hour every day and take um, pictures of him when he's being cute and he sleeps in our room. And I always try to convince him to get up and snuggle in the bed, but I, I'm not so sure how. if I still, so
1: yeah, right, exactly. So you should so anyway, so that and um, upload on Amazon Prime., has, Ooh, we just
0: finished the season last it's, night.
1: It's, it's really cute. Um, I really like that. That's light. That's something that's light and like a fun show to watch. And then um, the other like I'll just say that um, if you really want to take your mind off things, selling sunset season three is, um, some serious reality tv and Something i previously did not watch reality tv and before this show
2: what's the what's the plot behind that again
1: it's real estate agents in la fighting and selling multi-million dollar properties
2: it's like love interests and like tension. yeah and
1: tension and bitches and it's just but um, our, this past week
0: is, i surprised my sisters with a cameo yes. message from one of the real estate one of agents
1: the real estate agent saying hi to us and, and she's like our one of our favorites on the show she was like um, nice. i would say this show is pure escapism mm-hmm. and um and i never watched reality tv before between this and indian matchmaking i'm just on a roll And then I'll say lastly, the show, The Letdown is an Australian show. It's a bit more serious, but I think it's really funny. Just about a woman struggling um, who had a baby and is just struggling in life. And I find that I find her, she, she wrote the show and made the show. I just find it funny, but that's if somebody's interested in, I can recommend that too, but it's a bit more niche. I think. I know a lot of people who didn't like it because it was too realistic. Like if I want to watch somebody struggling with a kid, I'll just have a kid and struggle. So I'm turning that off. But I really like it. That's it. Uh,
0: and and I'm watching. I, uh, so we just finished upload, and Robbie Amell, who I had seen in the CW show, uh, The Flash, he played the uh, Firestorm guy. He was okay in that. He's the cousin of Stephen Amell, who was the lead in Arrow. But he is so adorable in Upload. And then his chemistry with the amazing Andy Allo. I feel like Andy Allo like she is the future. remember that name. this is like her breakout role. I watched a i I, I watched an Instagram live she did with another actor yesterday and I just sat there just listening to her talk uh she did she did this uh an instagram live with kathryn Huey and they were just talking about acting stuff but andy allo i think she is the most charming and i think there's so much depth to her she's also a singer and a writer and a director like she's the future so watch upload just to see andy allo and then i'm gonna start watching the show perpetual grace limited i didn't start it yet and then burning love, which was recommended by Stevie and Chris from our from our buddies without borders episode. It's a
1: fake reality show.
0: It's a fake reality show based on The Bachelor that has all of the funniest people. I mean, every single amazing funny person is on that, and it is hilarious and amazing. And I already bought the three seasons of the show. Uh, Kadenard, do you want people to follow you, and if so, where should they? Or do you want to maintain a mysterious identity?
2: Oh, definitely going to do the sister night thing and be mysterious. Okay. Um, okay.
0: <laughs> so, so then, so then the next time people can follow you, then is the next time you're on the show. Cause you're definitely coming back, right? Yes, Yeah.
1: I definitely oh, yeah. Our sister back. Becky will be so sad that she misses. it. She's
0: going to be so mad when she hears this it's episode. Be, cause yeah. all I did was message her cause she, she was busy today anyway. And I said, I said, Hey Beck, Lily and I are going to do a special deep dive on Watchmen. Okay. She's like, <laughs> sure. I, I didn't watch it anyway. she didn't know of course it was gonna be like this is the ultimate youngest sibling she's gonna be so pissed she's gonna be like Uh,
2: oh no we'll have another one you just have to come back i have to come back lily i can't i know so much about you from working (laughs) and being a a friend of shy's now like i just love the whole corman family y'all are like my so well Y'all got to come to Trinidad. Find a way. Oh, my God. I would love ready. that.
1: And, and and you're welcome to island hop over here whenever you want. We have a consulate. Mm-hmm. Not on my <laughs> island, but it's only like an hour away. We do have a consulate. You can come consulate over here.
2: Okay. I'm going to find a way. Okay there you so
0: P.O. Canary Islands. Principal <laughs> Officer Canary Islands. Thank
1: That's you. a or good just come for fun. That would be but.
2: great.
0: Yeah, Lily's like buying beach houses down there. That's like her.
2: Well,
1: her... selling Sunset inspired me. Now I, now I'm pre- pretending
2: to live the real Lily, estate agent life. Lily, like. Lily is about to have a baby.
1: Yeah, like how imminently.
2: Can you bounce back to do another episode? Is what we need because you have to be there the next time I do the episode too. No, ready. no,
1: it's not. That's if you think that that pressure is high. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, we assume that we'll give you at least a month off. Like, you, don't, like that's that's not a big deal. My yeah. sister potted an hour before her C-section Oh, when, her, when she had her last kid. Uh-huh. And then, like, what, four or five days later, she came on to... She was, like, still had anesthesia in her. And oh came on because we had a, a, a wonderful actor and, and, and comedian... Uh, Janet Varney was on the show, and she didn't want to miss it. And so she was there. So everybody keeps saying, you can't miss an episode. Becky didn't miss an episode. I I can't be like, well, I mean, I might have to. Like, well, she didn't. The standards (laughs) for this podcast... Oh, no.
0: I'm like, Lily, because Be- Becky had to have a C section. You can't talk during a C section. I'm like, Lily, are you going to call and we can do an episode live from the delivery Pray. room? Because so I was like, reality. can't we like
1: stream a little bit, do something, do a bit? I'm like, have you ever pushed a baby out of your hoo ha? Like, yeah. have you thought about what that is? And he's like, no, but I bet you could podcast.
2: <laughs> so, well, I wish you the best, dear. Thank Prankful you. And comfort. Thank um, you. I'll Maybe. definitely
1: be back by the time you're back.
0: Yeah. We'll we will That's get no you doubt. We will get you back soon, but don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Lily will be back.
1: Yeah. And uh-huh. you have a wonderful safe trip.
2: Thank you, dear. Thank you. On so this much. new
1: adventure.
2: I'm so excited. It it's, be be, and
1: it's such a beautiful place. Yeah.
0: Lily, where where can people follow you?
1: You can follow me at Chi Chichi, Chi C H I C H I K Gomez uh, with a Z on the Twitter.
0: And you, and, and you letterbox. can and you can follow me at pancake and the number 4 table on Twitter and Instagram and you can follow uh, all the Friday night movie shenanigans at fry night movie on Twitter and Instagram or fridaynightmoviepod.com please rate and review us because that helps people get to know our show more And uh, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, they've been anxious about the Postal Service and voting and impact on our voting. Well, as we have been saying every week now for many weeks, uh, one of the organizations that we are supporting as a family is the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. They have a whole set of programs on voting rights. So if you are anxious and upset about this, go look up those programs. Maybe donate. We donate um or look for another organization doing similar work that is looking at voting and justice because uh, voting is going to play a big role in the future of our country coming up and then another organization that we are um, very passionate about supporting is the equal justice initiative so please check that out as well um
1: i and... also encourage people to call their election office just it's just a phone number you just call and somebody answers and you can ask them questions like I did the other day when I was like, how the hell am I going to vote from here? I forgot mm. how to do it from four years ago. And they were like, I was passed around to a few different people, but that's okay. Because eventually somebody came up with like an amazing solution that is just like, oh, I send an email. They send the ballot by email. And it's like actually quite simple. Now I'm overseas, so it's different. But if you're in the US, you just pick up the phone, you call, and they'll give you the information. If you're not sure on how to vote, you don't have to go anywhere. Just make a phone call.
0: Uh, yeah exactly and, and and so everyone please keep all of that in mind um uh the theme music kicks in from the montreal band even though none of the members live in montreal anymore or wrote the music when they were in montreal but the montreal will always be a montreal band will always be more of a montreal band than the arcade fire i'll tell you that uh, the montreal band what does it eat is uh, to write our theme song which is howie and me And What Does It Eat has a new record out on Spotify and iTunes called Sidecar, a song cycle tribute to 1980s and 90s TV characters. With that, we always have a little moment of dancing as we dance off into the evening. And we say bye-bye and thank you to our amazing guest. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you
2: so much. much.